Praise the Lord. Um, I want to read a passage before we pray and get into and get into our message. And this is from Second Timothy chapter two. I read it at the end of the pastoral letters series, and this is how it reads: verse ten through thirteen. For this reason, I endure all things, for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also might obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our faithful God. You cannot deny who you are. You are good, you are faithful, and you are loving. And we give you praise. And we thank you that we can depend on you. We can count on you. And that your mercy is abundant. Your grace for us knows no end. Your love for us cannot be measured. Lord, right now, as our hearts are prepared through just a wonderful, intimate time in worship with you, Lord, continue to speak to us through your word, Lord. Lord, speak to us, but also give us more than enough, Lord, so that we can, in turn, be quick with this word, this encouragement, this grace to share with others, Lord. Lord, as an act of my will, I just yield to you. Holy Spirit, do your thing, have your way. Touch each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight we're going to take a look at Peter's life. Um, we're going to look at Peter's calling, his life of walking with Jesus, his failures, and his involvement in the post-resurrection events. And as we look at Peter's life, we're going to see just one reoccurring message. Jesus is faithful. Isn't that cool? We're going to look at Peter's life. But what we're going to walk away from in this message is Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. Jesus calls Peter to follow. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 18, now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Was Peter called by Jesus? Not not a trick question. Was was he called by Jesus? <laughs> They're like, that's okay. Was he called by Jesus? Yeah. In every sense of the word. Peter was called to be a part of something bigger than himself. Bigger than anything that he could imagine. Bigger than anything that he was qualified for. Bigger than anything that he deserved. Bigger than, bigger than anything that he could earn. He was called in this moment 
to leave his skill set behind. To leave his way and knowledge and experience of earning money aside. To leave part of his identity behind. To drop everything he was doing. And to follow Jesus. And how did Peter respond? He dropped everything he was doing. He left those things behind, including those, those things that defined him and followed Jesus to be a part of something bigger, to be redefined by Jesus Christ. There's a lot of scriptures that we have in, in tonight's message because I want, I want the scripture to just resonate in our hearts. So um, my teaching style is going to be just a little bit different tonight than what, than what I normally do. So we're going to fly through a bunch of scriptures and just kind of elaborate on them. So... Um, if uh, you know, we have the verses here behind behind me, um, and write down the scriptures and go back and study them. So, um, Matthew chapter sixteen, verse thirteen, we see something. We see that Peter recognizes Jesus as the Christ. Now, when Jesus came, this is verse thirteen. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man is a term that Jesus used for himself. Who do, they, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus saying to Peter? Number one, and we can't just ever skip past the obvious ones. What were the first words out of his mouth? You are blessed. You are blessed. Friends, I'd say the, the same thing to you. When our heart is attentive to the Lord and open to the Father to hear from Him, to hear from the Holy Spirit about the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, the same is said over you and I. You are blessed. Jesus is saying, you have recognized me as the Christ, the Son of God, the living God, not by your own understanding or by revelation of man, but by the revelation of my Father in heaven. And check this out. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Part of what Jesus is saying here is this. You have heard from my Father about who I am. 
But I'm about to demonstrate to you who I am. You've heard from my Father and you've spoken it out, who I am. But I'm about to demonstrate who I am. Through the work that Jesus is about to do, no longer will we be locked out. No longer will we be on the outside, no access to the Father. Because of the work that Jesus is about to do, and when he's describing this, when he's talking to Peter, because of the work I'm about to do, I'm about to demonstrate to you power. See, you're blessed because you heard from my Father, but because of what I'm about to do, you're going to have full access to the Father. You're going to have full access to the Father. You're going to have the keys to the kingdom. See, that's, that's a rare concept for us. That, that we, we think about that and go, yeah, that's awesome, because that's all we've ever known. But that is not what they knew. Only the high priest had access to God the Father, and even he didn't have full access. It was this little smidgen of time once a year could go before. And even then there were dangers involved. There were warnings. And Jesus is about to say, Jesus is saying, you're about to have full access. To the point that whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven. Bound. Done. Whatever you lose on earth, loosed in heaven. Done. Because you'll have total access to my Father in heaven. But I do want to clear up a common misinterpretation of, of this passage. Jesus' church was not built upon Peter. When we read this passage, a lot of times people think, okay, it says right here, upon this rock I will build my church. And people think it's Peter. And the Roman Catholic Church made Peter the first Pope. And, and that's not quite... I love Peter. I want you to know that. I relate to Peter. I respect Peter. But Jesus' church was built upon Jesus. We're going to see a little bit more about Peter. We're going to see that he's movable. He's shakable. Jesus says right here, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It will be unshakable. My friends, the only way for us and our lives and his church to be unshakable is that we are founded on Jesus Christ, is that we are built on Jesus Christ, is that Jesus is the center of our life. That is the only way that we can be unshakable. The only way, guys. Not on our own strength. Oh, good. Good Lord. Really? How shakable? I mean... There's no firmness there. Uh, let's make sure this passage is up there. I also say to you that you are Peter. The word is Petros. Do we have graphics up there today? All right. I say to you that you are Peter, Petros. Okay? This is taken from blueletterbible.org. It just captures the words. And so we see here on the left what the words are that we're reading in English. We see the Strong's number in the center column. So that G stands for Greek. We're reading in the New Testament. It's a Greek. And so that's that number. And then we see on the right the Greek word and the definition of it. So what, what Jesus is saying is, you are Peter. That word is Petros. You see that? That word Petros is 
an easily moved or relocated rock. It's a stone. It's a rock. But it's an easily moved or relocated rock. And upon this rock, not Petros, okay? It's not Petros. What is the word? Petra, which we got some you know, pretty decent Christian rock from back in the day. <laughs> Petra, okay? But still, so a different word. Upon this rock, upon Petra. Petra means the immovable and unshakable boulder. I mean, it's built into the cliff. cannot be shaken. Earth would have to be moved for this to be shaken. So it says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So allow me some leeway. Just give me some leeway here as I kind of put this conversation into, into what I believe is, is a likely conversation here. I believe what Jesus is saying is incredibly personal to Peter. I believe what Jesus is saying is prophetic to what Peter is about to walk through. And I think that this conversation, because Peter had the boldness, the understanding from the Father to speak who Jesus was, Jesus is speaking to him about a little bit of who Peter is. I think he's saying, Pete, my church will be built upon me. And because it will be built upon me, it will not be shaken. It will be unmovable. The power of hell will not be able to overcome my church. But you, you have my Father's heart, but you're still too easily shaken. You're still too easily moved. This ain't about you. The church will stand because of me. The church will stand because of me. So despite your weakness, despite your failures, despite your denials, the things you're going to fall in, I want to encourage you, the church is built on me and it will not be shaken. I think, I really, I believe this. I believe there was a prophetic edge to this where it was a type of foreshadow where Jesus is saying, it's built on me and you should be glad it's built on me because I am unshakable. Peter, you're easily moved. Friends, I know we're easily moved at times. And we're, we're emotional beings. We are. There's times our emotions cause us to be e- easily moved. We have emotions. Sometimes we respond in those emotions. Sometimes based out of fear, we're easily moved. Sometimes because of pride, we're easily moved. Sometimes because of doubt. I preached this last week. We're easily moved. If we want to stand firm, we've got to be planted in Jesus Christ. And this ain't about religion. This ain't about church. It's about Jesus. You know, it's an interesting thing for the pastor to stand up here and say this. But guys, we come together here not because of anyone in this room's love for you or your love for me. This ain't about us. I don't do what I do because I love you. I do love you, but that is not why I do this. I get up here because I love God. Does that make sense? It has to be about Jesus. Why? Because we're movable. We're movable. But if we're planted in Him, 
we're firm, we're solid. So what happens when offense comes? What happens when I say something that offends you? Which bank on it? Take it to the bank. What happens? If we're planted in Him, we're immovable. I say it all the time. Our emotions don't control us. We control them. We see in Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, we were created with dominion. We were cremated, created, not cremated. I think I just said cremated. We were cremated. That's totally unscriptural. We were, we were created to walk in dominion. So we have authority. We have dominion over our emotions. They don't control us. I think Jesus was saying, you'll see, I'm going to give you access to the power of heaven. And I'm going to give you total access to my Father. Was Peter, was he key? Was Peter instrumental in God's plan for the early church? Absolutely he was. Absolutely he was. He was an important part of what God wanted to accomplish. But friends, we're wrong. If we go along with the thinking that the church was built on Peter, it was not. It was built on Jesus Christ. Peter, a rock that is movable and unstable. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. So the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is not while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth night, or watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! Because once again, we are emotional beings and sometimes say silly stuff. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped, worshipped him saying, you are certainly God's son. Peter, shakable. Now, it's got to be said. None of the other cats had the courage to step out of the boat. Okay? And I don't, if, if there was water right here, let's visualize this right now. Let's, if there's water right here and I stepped out and I wanted to say anything, Let's say I just wanted to say Jesus. You know what I, you know what it would sound like? Jula! I mean, it's quick. You step into the water, you're submerged. Friends, Peter, Peter walked on water. Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water. And, and when you start sinking, that's not the description. 
That's not the description of what happens when you or I step on water. We don't start sinking. We're sunk. Okay? It's pretty clear. He, he walked on water. Enough to the point that he had time to call out to Jesus, reach out to Jesus, and Jesus grab a hold of him and save him. But then what does Jesus say? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter, you were doing it. Peter, you were walking it. You were walking the walk, man. Why did you doubt? You were walking on the waves. You saw me. You set your eyes on me. You asked for confirmation. If it's you, command me to come. I said, come. You came. You were doing it. And you took your eyes off me. And you looked around to the waves and you looked around to the clouds and the winds and you felt circumstance. You, you felt the wind. You felt the water beating on you. And you took your eyes off me. Oh, you of little faith. Luke chapter 22. Verse 31. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read 31 through 34. And I'm going to kind of drop, drop down to verse 54 in a bit. Simon, Simon, behold. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow until you have denied three times that you know me. I believe Peter. I believe what he spoke to Jesus was truly on his heart. No way, Lord. No way. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to go to jail for you and I'm willing to die for you. I believe that was his heart. When I look at Peter, it, there's no way Peter can be ca- characterized as a coward. He is courageous. He is brave. He is... No one else got out of the boat. Jesus said... Uh, that's who they say I am. Who do you say I am? No one else answered. Peter was a little misguided. Jesus gives a message about perilous times coming. Says, sell what you got, carry a sword. He misinterpreted Jesus. Swiped off an ear. Homeboy was a little misguided, but no one else brought their sword. No one else reared their sword and no one else put it into action. I love Peter. But Peter was easily shaken. Great strengths. Great weaknesses. Down to verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. This is Jesus. This is after he'd been arrested in the garden. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. Gosh, once again, even that, you guys. Other disciples ran and took off and were nowhere to be seen. They weren't even following from a distance. 
Peter was sitting among them and a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him said, this man, this man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. About after an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. We see Peter's biggest failure. He denied Jesus. He had pledged his devotion and his life to Jesus. And there's no way this man, Peter, was a coward. But he had weaknesses. When given the opportunity to put his money where his mouth is, Peter failed. This, this look, this hearing of Peter's denial, this was the last interaction that Peter and Jesus had prior to the crucifixion. You think this moment stuck with Peter? You think this failure stuck with Peter? about you and I? What about our failures? Are we so quick to dismiss our failures or do we hold on to them with the same amount of hurt going, man, when push came to shove, I failed. When push came to shove, I denied him. My life, my words, my action, my opportunity, gone. Well, we get to see the resurrection. We get to see that life comes from a situation where it looks, smells, sounds, everything is death. Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified? He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. 
There you will see him just as he told you. What an interesting choice of words from the angels to the women. Words that no doubt were their own. Go tell my disciples and Peter. So are they saying that Peter wasn't one of the disciples any longer? No, that's not what was being said. Peter was being called out by God. God's saying, you're still mine. You're still mine. I'm certain of this. When Jesus gave instruction to the angels, he didn't have to repeat himself. I'm certain of that. I'm certain when Jesus gave commands and orders to the angels, he didn't have to give emphasis because everything that the king said was emphasis. But I can imagine the words of Jesus to those angels. When you see the Marys, tell them I'm alive. Tell them I'm not here. Tell them I'm going to see them soon. That They need to meet me in Galilee. Tell my disciples and Peter. Jesus knows at this time that Peter was withdrawn from the others. He had withdrawn from his calling. He had withdrawn from his destiny. He had withdrawn from that call to leave everything else behind. And Jesus knows that Peter needed to hear his name called once again. How awesome is our God that when we need a personal call, he doesn't call us in generic terms, but he calls us by name. When he knows we need a personal touch, he's not some foreign, distant God. We have full access to the Father. Because of Jesus Christ, we walk with the keys to the kingdom. And he calls us by name. Peter's unspoken of appearance from Jesus. I'm not going to lie to you. This one kind of... I wish I had more intel on this. But we see from Peter's presence at the tomb, from John's account, John gives the account that he and Peter ran to the tomb. John refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. John also lets us know that he was faster than Peter. And the one that Jesus loved got there before Peter. But then John's also honest and said, but the one who Jesus loved wasn't about to go in that empty, scary tomb by himself. The one who Jesus loved waited for sword-yielding, boat-jumping Pedro to show up. Because when Peter shows up, then Peter goes in first. John arrived there first. Peter goes in first. I just find that funny. In Luke's book, we see in Luke chapter 24, verse 12. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. But check this out. Check out Paul's account in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15. Paul's account of the resurrection. There's something very interesting here, and then Luke mentions it also. 
So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas. Who is Cephas? Peter. Cephas is Peter. That's what Paul uses to name Peter. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And by the way, Paul's not mistaken when he says the twelve. Um, one of the requirements for the assignment of the twelfth disciple was they chose someone who had been with Jesus from the whole time who could give testimony to his resurrection. So Matthias was one of the twelve. So when Paul says the twelve, you know, this was written. Matthias had already been set in. So he's not mistaken, just in case you're wondering, because that's, hey, there's 11 now. Luke also mentions Jesus' private appearance to Peter in his telling of Jesus appearing to the men on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, verse 30. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. This is Jesus. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? While he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them saying, the Lord has really risen and he has appeared to Simon. Now I don't know why we don't hear about this encounter that Peter had with Jesus. I wish I did. But we do know this, that Jesus loved Peter enough to pursue him. To have yet another personal encounter, this time in a group setting. Guys, Jesus loves you enough to pursue you when we were sinners, when we were lost, when we were in the darkest of places, when we were in the most undeserving of places in our lives. Jesus pursued us. And He still pursues us today. He loves us. John chapter 21 Verse 1, after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, what? I am going fishing. Sometimes it's good just to go fishing. But that's not why Peter did this. I believe that Peter was completely despondent after his denial of Jesus. We see strength in Peter. We see a strong man. But we see a man who failed Jesus and could not forgive himself. Right? That's what we see. A man who walked with Jesus. And he... he Walked with Jesus, 
for three years of ministry. But then he fell. It's pretty interesting that he walked with Jesus on the water. And he fell. What did Jesus say to him then? Oh, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? What is Jesus saying to him now? Why do you doubt my love? It's not about what you do for him, God. It's not about your strengths and how you can apply them to serve the king. But my friends, it is also not about your failures and the ways that you let him down, let yourself down, let others down. Grace, my friends, grace. We have been justified and sanctified. Justified. What does it mean? Just if I'd never sinned. We got we got a lot of babies in our church. And you hold one of these babies. And you're like, ah, oh, justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just precious, adorable. That's that's us in our worst state, justified because of the work of Jesus. Justified, never sinned. Now, what is sanctified? Sanctified is a little different. Sanctified says we got to walk it out until we look, smell, act like Jesus. We're justified. But we still have to walk it out. Day by day, not quitting, not failing, and not going back to our past. See, what did Peter do? He went back to his past. He went back to what he knew. He went back to what he was comfortable with. He went back to his old identity. He went back to his past. Friends, we can never move forward into the future that God has for us if we refuse to let go of the past. We must let go of the past. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by your failures. You are not not defined by your hurts. You're not defined by your denials or your weaknesses. What's the only way that we're not easily moved? What's the only way that our lives are not shaken? If we cling to the rock. If we cling to the rock that is Jesus Christ. How wrecked was Peter? So wrecked that even after having a personal encounter with Jesus after the resurrection, he still couldn't shake his past. Okay, I look in this room and I know I'm looking at a room full of people that have had personal encounters with Jesus Christ. I believe that sometimes we've been so wrecked that even after having that personal encounter, we still can't shake it. We still hold to our failure and we still let it define us. Friends, that is not life. That's no kind of life. It certainly isn't life abundant. We have to let go of the past. We have to let go of our failure. What did Peter do? He went back to what he knew, fishing. Peter had failed at the high calling of serving Jesus. So he went back to his past life and vocation. 
in order to let go of his failure, Peter needed special encouragement after his denial. Encouragement that only Jesus could give. Next week, we're going to pick up right where we're leaving off right now. And we're going to see Jesus' loving, personal encouragement to Peter. And we're going to see something amazing. We're going to see Jesus' encouragement end with the same words that his introduction three years prior began with. Two words. Follow me. Follow me. You guys, you don't disqualify yourselves by not being perfect. You need a new pastor if perfection was the standard. Jesus is still calling out to us, follow me, and he's not looking for perfect people. He's looking people that will ground themselves in him and that will fall in love with Jesus, that will wrap their arms around Jesus and go, I love you, and so I will leave everything behind including the things that I wish I could make right. Hey, if you're like me, you're a fixer and you just want to make it right. Before I let it go, I just got to make it right. No, you don't. You just let it go and you grab a hold of God because he's the only thing that will give us firmness and foundation and strength. It pains me to stop right now because the story is so awesome. But I am going to stop right now. Guys, God is good. We leave this place. What did I say at the beginning? We leave here with one thing on our minds. Jesus Christ is so faithful. Jesus is so faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, He remains faithful. For He cannot deny Himself. You see, God didn't change His mind about Peter. He said, follow me. God didn't change his mind about that calling. And he didn't change his mind about you and me either. Isn't that good to know? He loves us. He remains faithful. Know this. He has called you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. He has. He has called you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. He has called you to be a part of something that will redefine your life. That's the power of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. My encouragement to you guys, give him your past. You don't got to make it right. Give me your past. Let it go. I don't care if your past was at 4.55 before you walked in here. Give me your past. Let it go. He's got a future for you. He knows you. He loves you. He called you. He believes in you. Believe in Him, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your goodness. 
Lord, we thank you that when we are not faithful, you are still faithful because you can't deny who you are. You can't change who you are. You are loving and you are true and you are real. Lord, we throw our arms around you. We cling to you for you are our rock, our stability, our strength, our foundation. Holy Spirit, I know you're not done. I know you're healing hearts even now. Church friends, just, just let, them, let them heal you. Give it to them. Give them your past. If you're struggling at all with it right now, just let it go. Give them your hurts. Give them your past. Jesus, have your way right now. We need you. Be our healer. Right now. Right now. Receive his healing. Receive his touch. Jesus, be our deliverer. Right now, I just speak deliverance from the bondages of the enemy, the things that will chain us to our past. I proclaim freedom right now in Jesus' name over the lives of each person in this place. Lord, we give it to you. We look to you. Jesus, be our deliverer. And Jesus, be our Savior. We are in need of a Savior. One to save us from our past, from ourself, from our sins. From an ungodly form of righteousness that tries to please you through a stringent list of do's and don'ts. Lord, save us from that and into your grace. Into your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.